listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? Look, I, I am, I'm delighted, Jeff, to be the thing that our uh, listeners will not know or appreciate is that most often when we record this podcast, we use a tool called uh, Squadcast to do it. And I'm not on the screen because I'm usually like kind of off to the side. Uh, Jeff sets this up, people need to know, so that he gets full billing and he's fully into the screen. And, and <laughs> Or it and, may be just because I'm the one doing the recording. And, and I'm just alienated from the conversation, honestly. And, and But today, uh, we're recording from different locations, and I feel like uh, I, I've moved into the prime time because I'm, yep. I'm on screen now. You're back. I mean, even though no, the listeners are, of course, we don't record the video because yeah, <laughs> it's only our guests that are worth recording video. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's for their benefit, not ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, no, I'm 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 good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm nice. doing great. Yeah, no, it's uh, if we're recording this on a beautiful sunny Friday. You know, not so bad. And we can edit my complaining about the video out if you want. No, I think that's fine. I think it's fine. It sets it sets the stage for what we should expect. <laughs> right. <Just> for me <laughs> to complain. Okay, great. Yeah. But I am looking forward to our guest today. This is a, a someone we've had on the show in the past. Uh geez, I don't know how long ago. It was over a year. Um and uh positions change and uh you know focuses expand and, and contract in different ways. And and I think it's really interesting to learn what people are up to after they have done a number of roles within a marketing department within a manufacturer. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, you know, we, we've had a few return guests, and I've really, really enjoyed each time we've done that. Like it always yeah. seems like we can, uh, yeah. There's just new experiences to unpack, and uh, and it's uh, always good to reconnect, of course. Absolutely. So joining us today is Jackie Lutz. Jackie is the global head of communications, training, and e-commerce in the aftermarket with Sensata Technologies. Welcome to the Coolering again, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always a nice uh, validation that I didn't mess it up too much the first time when you guys asked me back. So <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> it's a. Uh, I don't. I mean, maybe that uh, the fact that Jeff continues to ask me back to co-host, then I should feel good about. It. <laughs> this is exactly. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the legal agreement there gets more sticky if I try and cut you out. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Well, Jackie, um, maybe uh, remind our listeners or those that haven't had a chance to meet you before, tell us a little bit about yourself and Sensata, if you would. Sure. Um, Sensata Technologies is a, um, a manufacturer. We, we play in a lot of different industries like industrial, aerospace, um, auto is our biggest, uh, but we, we really specialize in sensing technologies. It used to just be sensors. Now it's it can be a lot of things, but, um, you know, really starting to specialize in the EV space and all the exciting things happening with auto amongst, um, you know, insights and, um, you know, all the, the Internet of things. So it's, it's fun being in a technology manufacturing company these days because it moves really, really fast. And um, since that is definitely on the mark there. And I sit within their automotive aftermarket um, business unit. So we. Uh, sell into the distribution channels, usually uh, products that we sell into the OE channels, we, we sell into the repair world. So that's kind of where I sit. And I uh, head uh, three teams right now, our, our global training team who actually teaches the end user how to use our products, which can be kind of complicated being on the technology side. 
and then our marketing communications team, uh, which is really where my roots are. And then uh, most recently, our e-commerce team, which we've just had uh, for just over a year now. It refresh our, uh, not, not just our memories, but our listeners' memories in terms of what Sensata actually manufactures, because it's changed over the years. Yeah, it has. Um, where where I, I still very much sit within the tire pressure monitoring sensor um, world, but they, you know, they do a lot of engine management sensors. Um, they, they have uh, more, I would say internet of things type uh, products now that are, that are, you know, we have cameras um, for the auto side. There's on the industrial side, there's a lot of um, temperature and pressure sensors that go on various equipment. Very cool. Um, and I think the e-com is really the subject of today's conversation. Um, so, uh, I guess you say it's about a year, uh, old that, uh, uh you've really turned your attention to e-commerce. I guess, what does e-commerce mean for Sensato? What are you doing? Is it, are we talking about largely, um, uh, e-commerce via other, uh, kind of third party sites, marketplaces? Is this something you've stood up on your own? Take us through it. Yeah, so really what it means to us, I think it can be a really scary thing in the aftermarket world when, when our customers hear us talk about e-commerce because the last thing they want is for us to be selling directly to their customers. So um, it doesn't, e-commerce doesn't necessarily have to mean that you have your own store on your website and you're selling your product to an end user. Um, for us, what it means is that we're paying attention to how our product is sold online and what our brand looks like online. So really most manufacturers, it's a very good possibility that your product is being sold somewhere online. Um, in our case, we focus on our third-party e-tailers, which is like our Amazons or Ebays, and then our customers on their websites. And really our main goal is to ensure that whoever is buying our product and however they're buying it, they're getting our, the full experience um, of working with our company. So, you know, if somebody's selling your product on Amazon, you just want to make sure that they have what they need to do it properly. Give them the nice, clean, crisp photos. Give them the correct descriptions. Make sure that they have the, the right training material and they're, they're, they're being very clear on what that product is for and what it's not for so that you don't end up with a bunch of returns because they bought the wrong thing that didn't work for their product and it wasn't clear online or, you know, and also just the reviews. Um, if somebody, you know, bought the wrong product because it wasn't clear what they were buying, they can get on there and kind of, you know, be upset. And if nobody's paying attention to that, um, it's very easy to, to have a, you know, a, a discrepancy, you know, brand online because nobody's paying attention. So that's really what we started to do is pay attention and start developing uh, the right materials and things to help our customers sell our products. What I find really interesting about that introduction, Jackie, is that uh, I think a lot of people, when they start talking about uh, third-party e-commerce, uh, Amazon especially, um, how products are displayed or presented online, etc. So much, it's often through the the lens of governance, if you will. Like, like the, it's about how do we create the legal framework so that people stop doing these bad things to us online. And you didn't say one thing about governance. You seem to be all based around helping them do it better. Mm -hmm. Right. 
I guess, am I, am I missing the governance side or is that an intentional strategy to just say, rather than try to spend too much time on the legal governance side, let's just try to spend our time on the helping side. It's not where my team uh, is focused. Um, we have legal teams and things for that. But, um, you know, we do really our strategy on, on the e-commerce team for the automotive aftermarket is, yeah, to pay attention. You know, we're constantly looking for where our uh, products are being sold and that it's being done properly. Because, again, it represents our company, whether or not we're the ones selling it or whoever they're buying it from. So it's really easy to mess up your reputation if you're not if you're not doing that these days, which is something kind of I wouldn't say it's new, but it's it's new for the I think the supplier in a distribution chain to be paying attention to that versus the people actually selling the product. What have you like what sorts of methodologies have you put in place in order to manage the brand and kind of pay attention to that? Because obviously, you know, if you're in a number of different marketplaces and they all have different ways of using your content and we'll come back to that in a little bit. I want to talk a bit more about that, but you know, what sorts of things have you done to ensure that, you know, you're staying on top of that customer experience? Uh, we have, I mean, yeah, every customer, I guess the complicated side of this is that every customer has different, um, you know, specs and things that you have to follow in order to get your materials on there. And we try to keep it as consistent as we can across all of the online platforms, but you do have to just be kind of flexible and work with, with our customers. But you're going to see the same, you know, with a few differences here and there where necessary, but you're really going to see the same brand across all of those platforms as much as possible. The, the harder part for us is getting um, customers to... Um, you know, use the stuff that we give them, I guess, um, and, and some of the, the third party suppliers to, you know, we create this stuff, getting them to use it is like a, a step on their end. So we really have to get their buy-in and, and help, help them understand why it's important for us that they do it. Um, and then we always make sure that our, you know, again, our customers have different um, uh, character counts and things that we can use to describe our product. So, you know, we just try to do it, be as flexible as we need to be, but truly try to stick within our brand guidelines and really try to make sure that the same message is really being spoken across all sites, across all regions, across all products. Have you impl implemented any technology to help with that? Are you using a, a PIM or product information management platform or? Um, with, uh, the automotive aftermarket, we have something called Aces and Pies that is very um, standard across um, the entire industry. So we pay close attention to that. We use um, a software system that helps us um, uh, speak with different customers and actually keep track of our content on those uh, with those customers. So we can see it's almost like a grading that they give us. Um, you know, you can, you can see where your descriptions are falling short with that customer because they might have different guidelines than what you were used to. And you can go in and realize you got to look at that and tweak it. Um, so we do have some, yeah, we do have a system in place that helps us uh, with that. Cause it is, it, it, it would be very tedious to do manually. You would need way bigger team than what I have. I, I, this may be like really, um, into the weeds of it all, but, uh, I guess is, do you, Concern yourself with uh, any kind of SEO considerations, um, considering that you may be using the same descriptions for your product across multiple sites, et cetera. Is there any kind of effort to distinguish there so that people can uh, continue to compete in search? 
Yeah, um, we, we optimize everything that we do online now and we keep all of that kind of stuff in, into consideration. And we also try to keep too, um, depending on who the audience of that site is. So, you know, if, if it's, if it's a, a site that's really um, selling to an installer, we really make sure we're speaking to an installer and using keywords and things that they would be using in search. Where if we're selling, if we're looking at a, you know, a distributor site who's selling into other businesses, like, um, then, you know, we, we would speak a little bit differently on those sites, but something, you know, it's just, you know, the, it's, it's how I shop. I don't know about everybody else, but you know, I, I use Amazon very much for um, research. Even if I don't end up buying from Amazon in the end, I'll go on there and check out the reviews. Um, so, you know, you can get to an Amazon listing through Google and all of that is connected through search. So if you're not paying attention to the keywords and things on your descriptions, your product, it's not going to show up when people are searching to you know, researching a product. I think it's helpful for listeners to consider as well that you're you're not saying a consistency at the expense of search performance, but rather uh, modifying those descriptions in, in order to be cognizant of that across different platforms. That makes sense to me. Yeah, well, keeping the same message, I guess, is the point. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T slash sample ABM. So as you kind of moved into the e-commerce side of things, did you see an overall increase in and lift in the brand in terms of search and uh, and performance of, uh, you know, the, the keywords and other things like that that had to do with your products as a result of this initiative? Um, specifically on Amazon, um, our search, we, we saw this past uh, Q1 of this year, um, compared to Q1 in 2021, uh, we saw a 1,000% increase on not just, you know, on, we, we have, you know, almost 100 different um, products and SKUs on Amazon, and that was for a select few. But we saw, you know, huge inc- percent of increase in people who, um, they're called glance views on Amazon. So people who end up on our site looking at our product. Um, so it was, it's really Incredible, especially considering that that was in the middle of COVID uh, in uh, Q1 2021. So uh, e-commerce had already been on a pretty steady incline through most of 2020. So then to see another, you know, thousand percent increase on top of that was was pretty incredible. And it definitely made it feel worth our while to be paying attention to this. I think that's, um, that's really cool, especially since most of what you're hearing these days is on the kind of more B2C e-commerce side of things is that the suggestion that the e-commerce wave has crested, right? Like this, mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah, there was a maybe a lift in COVID, but now it's back to, uh, you know, old clothes and forage. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so it's nice to hear uh, experience of somebody in the manufacturing B2B space is seeing uh, quite the opposite of that, frankly. Yeah, it is. And especially with, you know, the automotive aftermarket, which, you know, traditionally wasn't huge online. I mean, they had those platforms, you know, there was definitely companies who were on the the front end of that, but it was never, 
you know, talked about all that much up until the more recent years and to see how far it's come now. And I honestly, I don't see it going away. I don't know that we'll continue to see thousands and thousands of percentage increase over year over year, but um, just, you know, to see the industry coming along behind it too is, is pretty neat. It's definitely, it's definitely been a game changer in the automotive aftermarket. I have to imagine as well that, you know, in introducing this new channel for Sensata, you, you know, you mentioned that, you know, your, some of your, your customers, the suppliers, distributors were, were a bit scared of, of what that might mean. How have you managed and mitigated those concerns? I'm sorry you broke up a little bit during that question, but I hear you better now. Can you say that again? Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So I think one of the things that you mentioned earlier on was around the idea of, you know, the, the concern that your customers, the suppliers, distributors, and so on might've had with, you know, you moving into e-commerce, how have you mitigated their concerns and kind of dealt with that to make sure that they were still happy? Yeah, we, we make sure that they know that really what we're doing is trying to help them sell. That's something that Schrader has always done um, at that level, Schrader being our, our biggest um, brand in the automotive aftermarket. Um, and it's really who we, who we are supporting mostly with this e-commerce effort. Um, but something that we've always said is that we're not going to sell you a product and then walk away, especially when it's such a high tech product. People have to know how to use it properly in order for our, our customers to be successful. Their customers have to know how to use it. So we really invest a lot in training. We invest a lot in marketing for them um, and category management. And e-commerce is just another service that we are providing. It is not to undercut them in any way. It's to help them sell more of our products. I'm uh, kind of interested, I guess, we're you've been at this now uh, for uh, you know a year and a bit, and it sounds as though there's been some really solid early successes. Um, I guess what has you excited for the next year? I mean, what uh, where do you see this evolving? Well, now that we've kind of cleaned up, I mean, when you first start, it's a lot of cleanup, <laughs> so we had to really go through. Um, all of the e-commerce sites that we were aware that our, our product was on, we had to go through and clean it all up, get them the right stuff, get them the right images, right descriptions, you know, start measuring. Um, so it was a lot of cleanup. And now when we started specifically in North America and probably even more specifically in the U.S. Uh, so now we're actually able to be a little bit more on the offense so we can start looking into, you know, advertising and trying to get people to those sites. Um, it's something that we can actually measure, which is, which is really nice. So if we put ads out there that link to um, Amazon or to any of our, our competitor sites, we feel pretty good about what their people are going to see when they get onto those sites. So we can go a little bit more on the offensive um, something we're working on that we haven't completed yet is doing like an Amazon storefront um, and actually getting a little bit more sophisticated there. We spent the first year just cleaning up what was there. So now we're um, actually working on a storefront, which will be exciting. Uh, and then I think we're going to just start expanding into other regions and, and looking at what we can do and see, see where e-commerce is really taking off in other regions and start supporting those. I'd like to dive in a little bit to the, this cleanup and the, the creation of, of content that was going to serve you well. I mean, 
one of the things that we know as marketers is that we always underestimate the effort that's going to be required in creating content, whether that's written or visual or, or anything else. I'd love to hear a little bit, maybe they're war stories, maybe maybe it just went really, really well. I don't know. But, um, you know, what what kind of effort are we talking about in order to bring that content up to the level that you really want it, it to be at? And I, I'm assuming it's probably still an ongoing kind of thing. Always. And I think that's something with e-commerce is that you always have to go back and review and tweak always. Um, but you know, this was new for us and our team. So, uh, we, you know, there were a few times where we developed things to be put on for certain products. And then we go back and be like, Oh, that wasn't quite the right message. Like one that, one that, um, comes to mind is our, our easy sensor, which is a, a tire pressure sensor that you have, you have a tool and you have to program it in order for it to talk to the vehicle. You have to tell it which vehicle it's on. And that message was not getting through on Amazon. So people were buying the sensor, not realizing that they had to program it, throwing it in the car, and then it wasn't working. And they were like, this product sucks. Like, you know, that, that's what they would go on to Amazon and say. So our rating was down. Um, so we had to create content that was just very clear and very forward. You know, when, you, when you're scrolling through images, it was one of the first ones, you know, and be very clear. Don't buy, you have to have one of these tools in order for this product to work for you. Um, just to be very, very clear to, to keep those returns down. And, and we, we had a couple takes at that message before we actually saw it be successful um, and started seeing, you know, you know, fewer of those reviews. So, I mean, it's a little bit of um, trial and error. And I think that that's something that we welcome. We know we're getting better with each try. Um, and, uh, you know, another thing that, that we found that was kind of a positive is we have, we kind of grouped our products together. So we have some products that you have to program, some that are more just like OE replacement type sensors, others that are retrofit kit. So we can kind of group those together and tackle, you know, you know, them as groups in certain ways too. So like our branding is a little bit different for each one. Um, but you know, if it's our OE, if it's our OE replacement sensors, we can really use the same messaging for all of those. We can use the same branding elements for all of those and switch out the picture. We can use the same description in a lot of ways for those, um, but change out the applications or the vehicles that they work for. So we've, we're starting to get a little bit more organized and sophisticated in, in that way. And um, it's, it's, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was an easy first year, but it, you know, it was a, uh, I, I guess it was, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I guess it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but it, but it was definitely, um, it worked in the end. Uh, you've mentioned uh, the online reputation management component of this a number of times. Uh, and you just uh, mentioned it with respect to reviews, of course, and e-com. Just curious, um, do you mesh this uh, initiative at all with um, uh, social media monitoring, reputation monitoring on social? No, we don't do a ton of reputation monitoring on social. Our product that is, um, you know, our Schrader product, which is our biggest one in the automotive aftermarket, it's not a, a big social driver, I guess. Um, so we don't pay a ton of attention there, um, but we do, you know, we are paying more attention on, on the review side of things and um, focus on those platforms a little bit more. Google reviews, uh, Amazon, we actually have our, you know, part of the training group that I'm uh, leading, 
uh, it's that our tech support is a part of that. So um, that was kind of part of combining all of these teams under one person was because they all kind of have a hand in the game in one way or another. So we've done a lot of work there, um, just ha- making sure that they're they're monitoring, you know, what makes the most sense. Yeah, it just seems to me like at some point, like you, you know, people will if they're in the in the mood to complain and write a negative review, uh, sometimes they'll try to amplify that in their social circles, right? So I'll be yeah. curious to see if that uh, becomes more of an issue over time or something that needs to be your attention needs to be turned to, but. Yeah, I don't want to jinx it on you either. Yeah, please. <laughs> Leading back to your, your your last point, you were talking about you know the teams that you're growing and how training's part of that and support is part of that, and I think that's really smart. Um, I think it's a an incredibly insightful way to go about managing this. Is and uh, and you know especially in terms of creating a more fulsome and, and better experience for your customer and the end customer as well. But, you know, you're starting from a a relatively small team, from what I recall. How has your team changed or grown or, um, yeah, I guess, how, how, has the, how has the team changed and grown as, as you've gotten into this? Yeah, um, I think when you talked to me last, it was several years ago, um, I was just the global head for Marcom. And Marcom, you know, definitely spoke well globally uh, amongst regions, but uh, and, and talked to the sales team a lot. But we never really looked at it at the time as our training team, for example, being really a part of marketing um, and now e-commerce. So having them put, so now we have another global head of Marcom who reports into me. We have the global head of training who reports into me, and now e-commerce. So. All of these functions really are speaking on behalf of our company to the customer daily. So by putting them all under one umbrella, we've been able to uh, really synchronize our messaging. Uh, It's really helped having all of these teams really report into one person and one vision so that um, they're constantly working closely together. Uh, we have weekly meetings where these teams are all talking now. So, so when we're doing, you know, one thing for training, our e-commerce team is there to know, you know, to be able to say like, yeah, that would be useful for us too, but we're going to have to make these tweaks. So that way we're just, we're not doubling efforts anymore. We're making sure that the same message is staying consistent across regions, across products, um, and across, you know, it's just, it's really, it's really synchronized everything. And that team I think uh, when I was just over Marcom, I want to say I had maybe four, a very small team of four. Um, now, you know, my team, just with all these teams together, I think it's more like 15. But they all, they all have different functions, but they're truly all serving the same goal, which, is, which has been really neat to see this team kind of flourish that way, um, being all brought in on, under one vision. It's really cool, Jackie. I mean, I think you, uh, I, I think you've ended on a, just a really nice point. I mean, there's a, a nice summary of the evolution. It's one of the great reasons why I love having um, smart guests back on the show, you know, is uh, it really um, uh, helps connect the dots and uh, I think uh, shows some uh, great progression for our, for our listeners. So, you know, thank you for sharing your experience and expertise with us today. It's been great having you again on the show. Thank you guys for having me. I always, I always enjoy these things. Me as well. Talk to you soon, I hope, and and we'll see what you're up to, uh, you know, as this continues to grow. 
Okay, thank you. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.